Let us uh, open our Bibles to, let me think. Thanksgiving, it has something to do with Thanksgiving. Where would you go? I believe it is 2 Thessalonians, chapter 1. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, let us think together on verses 3 and 4. Listen now to what uh, the Apostle Paul said to the believers in Thessalonica, beginning in verse 3. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right. Because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. When Christianity burst into this world especially in the ancient Greco-Roman context, it brought with it a newness that had never been seen before in the world. Christianity, in many ways, brought a disruption to the status quo, to the way things had always been. Every area of life was impacted by this message about a Jew named Jesus, whom his followers believed and proclaimed to have died and risen again from the dead. Christianity, Christians were odd for they lived by a different set of rules because they belonged to a different type of kingdom, a kingdom that, as Paul says, is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, Romans 14, 17. That's a very different kind of kingdom. It was the type of kingdom with which Governor Felix became alarmed for its demands concerning righteousness and self-control as we saw in Acts 24, 25. In short, Christianity redefined everything, everything. It spread around the world like an earthquake, shaking every ancient idea and common practice. Marriage was redefined around Jesus. Family was redefined around Jesus. Work was redefined around Jesus. Citizenship was redefined around Jesus. What else can we mention? Sexuality was redefined around Jesus. Nationality was redefined around Jesus. Forgiveness was now redefined around Jesus. Relationships were redefined around Jesus. Life itself, all of it, was redefined around Jesus. Nothing remained untouched by Jesus. This morning, I want to focus on just one of these redefinitions that took place when Christianity came to the world. I'm speaking of the concept of gratitude 
or thanksgiving. The very ancient idea of what gratitude is and how it should be practiced was challenged by this new Christian view. As one author pointed out, in the ancient Greco-Roman world, the idea of thanksgiving was circular. Think of a circle, circular. You gave in order to receive a return, and you received in order to give a return. And this applied to both human relationships as well as relationship with the gods. Central to the idea of thanksgiving was the circle of reciprocity. Reciprocity. You receive a favor with the expectation that you, in your gratitude for the favor, will give something in return. People, as well as the gods, lived with this expectation. Thus, gratitude was mostly circular, circular, reciprocity. Christianity, however, challenged this circularity for it taught that thanksgiving is not primarily or only a circle, but also a straight line, a straight line. Thanksgiving Thanksgiving is about rightly using the gifts that you have been given for the benefit of others rather than about getting something in return. In other words, you give without expecting anything back. That's Christian thanksgiving. You give thanks by using the gifts and the blessings received in order to bless others, period. Therefore, in human terms, Thanksgiving is not primarily a circle coming back to you as much as it is a line moving forward toward neighbor. Thanksgiving is about disseminating favor and grace, and the Christian takes what he has been given and continues to disseminate it further and further into the world. Thus, Christianity broke the idea of Thanksgiving being a circle and only stretched it out for it to form a continuous line of living gratefully by giving selflessly, not expecting anything in return. Within the Christian worldview, thanksgiving was redefined in general terms as thankfulness by giving. Thankfulness by giving. That is how you express gratitude. You give. You give. In the ancient world, this was a new an even disruptive idea. Obviously, the analogy of the circle and the line does break up at some point, for even Christians know that as they give, they are always receiving from the Father. So in a sense, we can't be too dogmatic about either the circle or the line. But instead of dealing with the idea of thanksgiving from a general worldview perspective, I want to narrow it down to this one specific passage in front of us. In this sense, 2 Thessalonians 1, 3, and 4 functions as a type of magnifying glass, for it shows us the Christian redefined idea of gratitude in more detail. And where does this redefinition begin? Well, it begins quite radically. Here's the first point that we learn. Christianity redefined thanksgiving in terms of its duration. Always. Always, in terms of its duration or constancy, whatever work, whatever word works, always. Verse 3, we ought always to give 
thanks. Thanksgiving was a major theme for the Apostle Paul. And in this case, he is referring to the Thessalonians in particular. He wants to always give thanks for them, and we'll see why uh, later on. But Paul is here introducing something new by throwing the word always into the conversation about thanksgiving. The Greco-Roman world and its emphasis on thanksgiving as a circle meant that you only gave thanks when the circumstances called for it. So by attaching the word always to thanksgiving, Paul is shaking things up. This would have been an explosive idea in and of itself in the ancient world. But Paul, as a member of the kingdom of God through faith in Jesus Christ and in the power of the Spirit, was now operating by a different set of rules. In his first letter to the Thessalonians, he had already told them to give thanks in what circumstances? All circumstances. In chapter 1, verses, verse 5, verse 18. Now please consider Paul's understanding of Christian thanksgiving as something that we must do always, always. That is a loaded word, always. I will develop it a bit more in our last point because it relates to it as well. For now, just think about the radical nature of what Paul is saying. And I say radical because it goes something like this. What Paul is saying is this, in Christ and because of Christ, Gratitude is no longer just a response to certain positive and favorable circumstances, but is now a sphere of life, a way to live. This is radical. It is not just a response to certain favorable circumstances. It is a sphere of life. This is radical. Notice, please, that this is not Stoicism. The Stoics were fatalists. They were of the idea that you need to make yourself want whatever you get in life and just deal with it. But Paul taught something different here. Our way of life as Christians, says Paul, is not fatalistic resignation, but ongoing gratitude. Always. Always. You see, Christ came to change everything, even the very concept and practice of gratitude by throwing the word always into the mix. And that's where the redefinition started for Paul. This was already creating waves around the ancient world. Thanksgiving never stood right next to the word always. But in Christ, something new had come. Now what we see next is another aspect of this Christian redefinition of thanksgiving. And here it is. Christianity redefined thanksgiving in terms of its object, its object. And who is the object of thanksgiving? One God, one God. Verse three, again, we ought always to give thanks to God. The redefinition here could be summed up in one word. This is shocking for the ancient world. One word, monotheism, monotheism. Theism. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9, Paul mentioned how these people in Thessalonica had turned from worshiping idols 
to now worshiping the true and living God. They had been freed from the chains of idolatry. In other words, the Thessalonians, just like most of the ancient Greco-Roman world, had been trapped for many years uh, in a world of many, many gods. It was such a polytheistic world that they didn't know which deity to be, to be thanked and for what. I think the Greco-Roman world was well represented in Athens, where all the known gods had an altar dedicated to them, just in case. But Christianity brought a new order by bringing order into a disordered world. Now the Thessalonians did not need to wonder who to give thanks to, for they had come to believe that there is only one God, not many. Only one God, not many. And the unknown God of Athens was now known in Jesus. There was no longer any need to build more altars or to offer strange sacrifices, or to live in fear of failing to please this God or that God somewhere. The Thessalonians could now offer proper thanks to a true object, a true God, the only God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a radical redefinition of thanksgiving this was. All you have to do, says Paul, is to acknowledge one God, not many, just one who is, who in his own son, Jesus, has rescued us from sin and darkness and has made himself known. And now we can give thanks. Now our thanksgiving can be a true thanksgiving for it is directed to this one true God. And this is a hallmark of Christianity, is it not? We are not only people of ongoing gratitude, but we also know who to give thanks to. One God, not many, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the giver of every good gift. And this newfound definition of thanksgiving, having a proper object, restructured the life of the Thessalonians in every regard. But this should not come as a surprise. Gratitude, gratitude, properly given, as redefined by the Christian faith, is the root cause of an orderly life. It's very important. I'm going to say that again. Gratitude properly given, as redefined by the Christian faith, is the root cause of an orderly life. I know this because the opposite also holds true. Ingratitude or gratitude improperly given or misdirected is the root cause of a disorderly life. In Romans chapter 1, verse 21, Paul says that failure to give thanks to the one true God leads to futile minds and darkened hearts. It's a big deal. To be ungrateful, it's a big deal. And that failing to give thanks to the one true God breeds foolishness no matter how wise you claim yourself to be. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Why? Because they did not give thanks to God. That's what Paul says. The Thessalonians, to whom Paul wrote, were rescued from futile minds and darkened hearts as seen in the fact that they could now give proper thanks. When? Always. To whom? To the one 
true God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Gratitude became a hallmark of their new life, which naturally leads us to what we see next in our passage. Christianity redefined Thanksgiving next in terms of its foundation. In terms of its foundation. And what is the foundation of a Christian Thanksgiving? A new what? Could be a lot of things, right? No one wants to say it. Creation. A new creation. Verse 3 again. We ought always to give thanks to God for you. For you, Thessalonians, former idolaters. Notice that for Paul, God is the object of his thanksgiving because of the Thessalonians. He gives thanks to God for them. So Paul is not thankful to the Thessalonians for who they are, but he's thankful to God for the Thessalonians or for who they have become. So if I could paraphrase what Paul is saying, I would put it like this. We always must give thanks to God for this new thing God is doing in you, Thessalonians. A new thing that is actually visible. You are a testament of the truth that if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. Thessalonians, I'm thankful to God because I can see in you that you are something new. God has done something new. And that, my friends, is the essence of Christian thanksgiving. God in Christ has made and is making something new. And this is the pattern established in the Bible. Think about, for instance, the central Old Testament event. Can anybody tell me what would be one of the central Old Testament events? The Exodus. The Exodus. The Exodus was followed by the giving of the Ten Commandments. And this established a pattern. The Exodus, yes, good job. <laughs> well done. The Exodus was a new beginning. The Exodus was a new beginning. A type of new creation brought about by God himself. The Lord carried his chosen people from a land of darkness into a new land where they were free to worship, to give themselves entirely to their covenant Lord without Egyptian masters. We could say that in a literal sense, with the Exodus, the old had what? Passed away and the new had come. What was the point of the Ten Commandments which followed immediately after the Exodus then? Well, it certainly was not a form of payback to God for what he had done. Obedience is not payment, but simply the outflow of gratitude. It is the outflow of thanksgiving. Being grateful for what the Lord had done was the key ingredient to faithfulness to God. But the point is this. God grants freedom first. You get the pattern. God grants freedom first, then calls us to grateful obedience. That's always the order. That's always the order. That's always the pattern. But that exodus, think about that. That exodus, as mighty and as powerful as it was, was only a foreshadowing of something much, 
much greater that was then still to come. But the central reality was the same. God granted freedom followed by grateful obedience. So Paul, in here, in 2 Thessalonians, thanks God for bringing about a new exodus in Jesus. A new exodus in Jesus. The one who came as a better Moses to lead his people into a more glorious kingdom. The kingdom in which the Holy Spirit rules, guides, and transforms. The kingdom in which former idolaters find the light and where former slaves find freedom. Jesus, through his death and resurrection, inaugurated a new creation. He brought a greater exodus. As Paul said to the Galatians, neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. A new creation. And a new creation is what Jesus brought, nothing less. Now, how is this new creation expressed? Well, it is expressed in that now our thanksgiving has different reasons behind it. Look at why Paul gave thanks now by considering our next, our next point. Christianity redefined thanksgiving in terms of its reasons. In terms of its reasons. What are the reasons why Paul was thankful? Two words, faith and love. Faith and love. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. This is at least the second time Paul mentions this faith-love couplet. Uh, turn to 1 Thessalonians briefly, and I want to show you that he mentioned it already. This was important to Paul. 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, 1, verse 3. Look at what he says there. Or let's go to verse 2. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of what? Faith and your labor of love. There you see it. Faith and love will save steadfastness for the end. And that sums it up, doesn't it? Faith and love. Once again, now go, go with me to uh, Galatians. I want to show you something else. Galatians, right after 2 Corinthians. Galatians chapter 6, verse 15. This is a verse that I already mentioned. It says, For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a what? A new creation. A new creation. Now, go to the same, same book, chapter 5, Galatians 5, verse 6. Now, you're going to notice very similar language, right? He says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only what? Faith working through love. Faith and love. Faith and love. Interesting. One commentator, Craig Keener, 
points out in his commentary on Galatians that when you take Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, which we just read, and Galatians chapter 6, verse 15, and you read them together, it seems clear that for Paul, the new creation is equivalent with faith working through love. Faith working through love. Paul then is expressing gratitude to God for confirming his new creation in the Thessalonians as seen in two specific central ways. Their faith in Jesus is growing, and this faith is finding greater and greater and greater expression through their love for one another. This, my brothers and sisters, is reason for thanksgiving, for faith and love are both the work of God. Now, if there ever were two words loaded with rich meaning is these two, faith and love. The study of each could occupy us for a long time. I just want to make a few remarks. Let's look at faith just briefly. The most concise definition is the one found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. In the first place, then, Paul Paul's gratitude is rooted in the fact that the Thessalonians were growing in assurance and conviction. In other words, Paul was expressing gratitude first and foremost for the fact that the Thessalonians were not living their lives based on sight. Theirs was a life of faith, the type that overcomes the world, as John said. I will develop this in, in the final point. Now, second, let us briefly consider the word love. What is love? How do we define love? Well, we don't really have a definition of love as much as a description of love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. I want you to go there with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. I know many of you already know this passage very well. But remember, Paul is grateful for these two things, faith and love. Now, how do we describe love? Love is patient. Easy to do, right? Oh, patience is so easy. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Then, as if that were not enough, Paul adds this amazing conclusion to his description of love in verse 13. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Really, how can love be greater than faith and hope? It is because of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8. What is the first thing he says about love? Love never ends. There's a quality to love that is not shared by either faith or hope. One day, faith and hope will not be needed, for we will see with our eyes in our resurrected bodies. <coughs> but even then... Love will go with us into eternity. Therefore, Paul rejoices and gives thanks for the Thessalonians. Why? 
because their faith doesn't stop at faith, but shows itself genuine in the fact that they are patient with one another, that they do not envy one another or resent one another. Paul gives thanks because the Thessalonians do not rejoice at wrongdoing, but instead are rejoicing in the truth. Paul is grateful because he not only is hearing about their faith, he is seeing it through their actual love for one another. Let me ask you, are faith and love the main sources of gratitude in your life? Are faith and love the main sources of gratitude in your life? Are you even paying attention to those two? In this Thanksgiving season, did you ever stop and ask yourself, am I growing in faith? Am I growing in love? One of the signs that you are that your thanksgiving is pure and true is when the reasons behind it are primarily your growth in faith and increase in love. If these two are not at the very heart of your gratitude, then what are you really thankful for? Paul was thankful for the faith and love that he saw in the Thessalonians because these two represent a new reality. A new reality, a new creation that was being formed in the Thessalonians. Remember, in the mind of Paul, faith working through love is almost interchangeable with a new creation. So here's the challenge for us. As you take inventory of your own life during this Thanksgiving season and beyond, are a growing faith and increasing love the source of your gratitude? Are you paying attention? Are you paying attention to whether or not your love for neighbor is on the increase? What this passage is revealing is that a good way to give thanks as a Christian is by taking 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, and see how love is taking over your life. Looking at that passage, then, we can ask ourselves, am I putting to death impatience? See, that's, that's where love begins. Love is what? Patience, really? Why does patience have to be the leading quality of love? Am I putting to death impatience? Am I putting to death unkindness? Am I putting to death envy? Am I putting to death boasting in my life? Am I killing those vices in my life? Do I even care? Am I putting resentment and irritability to death? Once again, do I even care? If yes, then be thankful for this is love, and love is the leading expression of true faith. You can be thankful as a Christian, for this is a new creation being formed in you. The heart of a truly Christian thanksgiving is that we pay attention to faith and love in our lives. But there is one more aspect of Christian thanksgiving that we must mention, and it is this. And here we will bring this to a close. Christianity redefined thanksgiving in terms of its nature. And what is the nature of Christian thanksgiving? Well, it is indestructible. Indestructible. Consider verse 4. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your what? Steadfastness and faith in all your easy life, now in all your persecutions, and in the afflictions that you are 
enduring. If the duration of Christian thanksgiving is always, then this must mean by necessity that the nature of Christian thanksgiving is basically indestructible. So think about it. Think about it. For so far, Paul has redefined thanksgiving by doing four things. Four things. By attaching the word always to it, by making it a monotheistic endeavor, by rooting it in a new creation, and by focusing on faith and love as its primary reasons. But now, as if that were not enough, Paul takes this to another level by adding the words persecutions and afflictions into the mix. But notice what he doesn't do. Notice what he doesn't do. Paul doesn't lament their persecutions and afflictions. Did you notice that? Instead, he gives thanks for how the Thessalonians are responding to their persecutions and their afflictions. Now that's thanksgiving redefined. Jesus has changed how Christians should think about and respond to suffering. Even down to that level. Not even afflictions can take away your gratitude and your thanksgiving. In other words, Christian thanksgiving is indestructible. This is the essence in which, of which, uh, in which John said that our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Being united to Christ through faith, the one who died and rose again, our thanksgiving has been redefined. In Christ and because of Christ, we can always be thankful to the one true God for the new creation he has brought about, expressed primarily through faith and love, both of which will endure even under afflictions. In Christ Jesus, thanksgiving has been truly redefined. So even though Thursday has come and gone, and the turkey has been digested by now, I hope. As Christians, we are now in a different realm. We live in a new sphere. So I finish by reading our passage once again. We always, we ought always to give thanks to God for you. Brothers, as is right. Because your faith is growing abundantly. And the love of every one of you for, another's, for others is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. Let us pray together. Our Father, we thank you for this um, basic and brief, short in many ways, inadequate reminder, and inadequate only because of me, not because of your word. But we thank you that even in these simple reminders, there's much truth to be gleaned. And so we pray, Lord, that you will help us to be like the Thessalonians, who not only professed with their mouths to believe in Jesus, but they showed it because their faith was expressing itself through love, and they were grateful 
always, in all circumstances. And so help us, Father, to be a true faithful testimony of this new creation that the Lord Jesus has inaugurated by the fact that we can be grateful in all things, that nothing can take away our gratitude, for it is indestructible, rooted in the work of the Lord Jesus himself. So we thank you for these things. We pray in, in a very special way for those who are experiencing true pain due to loss in their lives. We pray, Lord, that they will be reminded of these things, that ultimately our gratitude, our thanksgiving, is not rooted upon the circumstances in which we find ourselves, but it is rooted ultimately in the one who died upon the cross to free us from our sin and the one who rose again as the first fruit of a new creation. And so help us all to look to Christ in this season and to never stop whatever it may be happening in the world. Help us, Lord, to remain steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.